Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another tremendous installment of Weekend Update. From high above all other puerile and pedantic forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. For as long as politicians have existed, we citizens have had to endure their seemingly never-ending explanations for their behavior. One of the requisite skills of being a politician is the ability to explain to your constituents what it is that you're doing. There's a whole long list of reasons why you would have to explain your behavior. You see, we, the little people, are not privy to all of the ins and outs and intricacies of government, so it has to be explained to us in terms that we can understand. For example, we have to be given an explanation as to why we need to pay more money to the government. There's always some sort of impending disaster that we're trying to avoid, some piece of public property that has to be repaired, or some amenity that needs to be added to our community to beautify it, to make our lives more pleasant. All of which requires money. Our money. That is, over and above what we have already given them to preempt the impending disaster, repair the public property, or add the amenity that we probably don't need anyway. Unlike government, money comes to us through work. Often, hard work. Something that politicians and government couldn't possibly understand. We citizens completely understand the value of the things that we purchase because we have to work for the money to pay for them. That's not how government works. Politicians come to us and ask us to open up our wallets, much like a flim-flam man trying to give us the myriad of reasons why we should hand over our greenbacks. Oftentimes, through deception. Ironically, all of the explanations given to us by our politicians are not that far removed from the subterfuge proffered by our friendly neighborhood conman. Take this old gag, for instance. We've had a really hard winter. As you can tell, our streets and roads took a real beating because of the uncharacteristically long winter. It seemed like there was no bottom to where the temperatures could drop. And as you can see, there are cavernous potholes appearing all over the city. We're going to do our dead-level best to handle this difficult situation for our constituents. But there's a possibility that we're not going to be able to get to all of them. You might consider, and this is only as a last resort, in approving a new tax so that we can fix our streets. That's the only way that we're going to get this fully accomplished. Now, obviously, my friends, I'm truthfully improvising that whole situation. The reason I say truthfully is we've all heard it, probably multiple times. What I just did in my little exposition is I led you to believe that the winter we just went through was particularly brutal, and thus our streets were subjected to unreasonable temperatures, and that's why they're deteriorating. What I didn't tell you is Wyoming winters are pretty much the same year in and year out. Now, they may differ from year to year as to how much snow we get or how long the cold February is, but all of us pretty much know that in February, the mercury is probably not going to get above 20 below, that it's going to continue snowing in April, and that it's probably not a good idea to go fishing on Memorial Day weekend without your winter coat. Deceptively warm temperatures on Friday and Saturday and then depressingly cold ones on Sunday and Monday. 
But these things almost always happen. It's almost like clockwork. So you would think that politicians would be able to prepare for what's going to happen the following year, but they never do. And so they come to us with an explanation as to why we need to give them more money so that they can fix the potholes that never seem to get fixed. You see what I'm getting at here? Their explanation is an exercise in deception. All of us would be much more understanding, although we'd probably be a little bit irritated, if they just said, we didn't do our job, your potholes are not going to get fixed unless you give us more money. But that would require them being honest, and that is something that it's anathema to most politicians. And so, it's the flim-flam man, over and over, every single year, and we continue to fall for it. Why? Because their formula works. It's almost like a math problem. 2 plus 2 always equals 4, unless you're a Democrat or a Redcoat, in which case it might equal 5. It's called rhetoric. The 1828 defines rhetoric as the art of speaking with propriety, elegance, and force, the power of persuasion or attraction, that which allures or charms. A rhetorician, then, is one who teaches the art of rhetoric, or the principles and rules of correct and elegant speaking. Now that's interesting. Principles and rules. With public speaking, or politics in general, there are rules. There are things that you can say, formulas by which you make your arguments, that make them more persuasive. That's why we continually give politicians money when we know deep down that they've already wasted what we gave them last time. Because the formula almost always works, and we, my friends, are proof of it. Depending on the type of argument that you want to make, the rules are a little bit different. It all depends on what you are trying to accomplish. Now let's just say that you're a politician and you have really screwed up. You begin to see your political career circling the proverbial drain. Maybe you posted something really inflammatory on the internet, you know, like maybe uh, suggesting everybody that opposes you ought to be killed. Something like this, for instance. So... Condone first-degree murder. Advocate. Could you give us some of your political beliefs? Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. That was a post from Carly Provenza to one of her social media accounts. It's since been deleted after the huge firestorm that ensued. So let's just say that you're a politician and you posted that to your social media accounts. Now, of course, nobody else in the state except Carly Provenza would be dumb enough to post that. But for the sake of argument, let's just say that you did. It probably is not going to work to try to explain what it is that you were thinking and why you posted that. Nobody's going to believe whatever explanation you come up with anyway. So what do you do? You apologize, of course. But not the type of apology that you or I are normally familiar with. What we usually do when we've messed up is we explain what it is that we did and we ask our loved one for forgiveness. Sometimes there's a little bit of groveling involved. In the end, it's supposed to be cathartic for both parties. The idea being that you say that you're sorry and that you don't do it again. But that is not the type of apology that politicians give us. Uh-uh. They engage in something that's called political apologia. It is quite literally one of the oldest tricks in the book. The earliest example of this rhetorical device comes from Plato's Apology. If you haven't read that one, or if you read it and it was so long ago that you don't remember it, that's the dialogue between Socrates and the Athenian authorities. 
they were trying to get him to admit to wrongdoing, and he didn't want to admit that because he didn't do anything wrong. And so what he did, instead of apologize, is he explained to them why he was right. Political apologia. Most of the time, it takes a form of some sort of letter that is written to the public or a letter to the editor after a politician has done something wrong. It takes the form of an apology, but doesn't admit guilt. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, a completely obscene and yet totally unapologetic profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. My friends, it is finally spring. Although it doesn't quite look that way in a lot of places, the snow will eventually stop. Sometime. Maybe. One thing that you could probably do to move spring along is to start making plans for that building you've been considering on your property. The first step that you should probably take is to call Nick and Jesse at Morton Buildings. Their phone number is 307-674-2532. They're the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else. So if you've been thinking about a building on your property, doesn't really matter what it is, give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. It's Saturday morning, and you know what I'm thinking about, my friends? Hot wings from the Wing It Food Truck. This week, they're going to be traveling all along I-80. So if you live in the southern part of the state, you know that you can get some of the most amazing wings in the state of Wyoming. And it's not just hot wings they have. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're incredible. Well, it doesn't matter if you want garlic or parmesan or just plain old traditional hot wings. Check out the Wing It Food Truck, and the way that you figure out where that truck is going to be is go to CowboysStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. If you've been looking for a place to advertise your business, I'd ask you to consider advertising on this program, Cowboy State Politics. You're not going to find a more active and motivated audience than the one that follows this show. I have proven results, and I have the best advertising rates that you're going to find anywhere. So if you'd like to get that conversation started, shoot me an email. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. And now, back to the program. The very first and probably most important reason why you would do some sort of political apologia is to stop the conversation cold and to redirect it somewhere else. The best example of this is what is known as Clinton's apology speech. You remember after the whole Monica Lewinsky thing? He sat down in the White House and every, almost everybody remembers what he looked like. He's sitting in a chair and he says, Indeed, I did have a sexual relationship with Miss Lewinsky. Just about everybody knows someone who was engaged in an affair or who was on the receiving end of an affair. So everybody can sympathize with what Mr. Clinton was talking about. 
The reasons why he agreed to give that speech are very different, though. See, he was in the middle of being impeached for lying during a deposition. And so he sat down and gave a speech and admitted to being an adulterous pig. He never said he was sorry, though. But if you remember correctly, right after that speech, the whole conversation in the media changed from one of, he's being impeached because he lied during a deposition, to he admitted to having an affair on his wife, and he's going to work real hard to move past this situation. But something you didn't hear, if you listened closely to him, he never said he was sorry. He didn't apologize for having the affair, and he didn't apologize for lying t during that deposition. But all of us say that that was an apology. And in the end, he was acquitted in the Senate and continued being the president. Political Apologia In an article entitled, Public Apologia, Moral Transgression, and Degradation Ceremonies, Christian Tilega writes, quote, Public apologia is a social practice whose effect is to constitute a, quote, psychology and formulate a mental life, distinctive identity for the apologist. It is sometimes too easily forgotten that public apologia is a performance, a ritual, a ceremony, which opens a space for dignified restoration of the harm resulting from wrongdoing. The repentance rituals of politicians and public figures create a very specific form of restorative justice, where the apology is the necessary and sometimes sufficient condition for successful degradation and successful reintegration. Analyses of political apologies tend to focus less on their restorative properties and ways of discur discursively managing moral identity and moral accountability. In other words, my friends, it's performance art. It's not real. The purpose is to get you, the public, to move past the politician's wrongdoing, all the while them never having to say they're sorry. It's psychology, and it's the most manipulative form of it. The most recent example of political apologia comes from Carly Provenza herself. Where we left off that story is Provenza was going to have a meeting with Redcoat Speaker of the House Albert Somers, Majority Leader Chip Nyman, and Minority Leader Mike Yen. Nobody should have expected that she was going to be held accountable for posting that meme and subsequent other posts on social media. But what did come out of it was a well-crafted political apologia letter sent to all of her colleagues in the House of Representatives. Cowboy State Politics obtained a copy of this letter. Let me just read you a couple pieces out of it. Quote, As you are likely aware, several of my social media posts have been widely distributed for the world to see. While the accusations ascribed to my posts that I support terrorism and intended to incite violence are false, the fallout has brought shame to this body and to the whole great state of Wyoming, for which I am deeply sorry. I accept responsibility for my role in this, and I will do better moving forward. Do you notice anything that's missing there? Like uh, apologizing for posting that stuff in the first place? No, you shouldn't expect that. Let me go on. Quote, Because the post was shared so widely and printed in national news outlets, it has now been viewed by potentially millions of people across the country in a way that harms the integrity of the Wyoming House of Representatives and paints the great state of Wyoming in a negative light. It's the results of the post that she's sorry for. She's not sorry for putting it on the internet in the first place. Here's where it gets interesting. Quote, 
I also recognize that my actions have inadvertently increased violent rhetoric against trans people because of what this has blown into. This is absolutely the opposite of what I want, and I am sorry that I did not have the foresight to prevent it." End quote. This is intended to shift your attention away from what she actually did, that is, calling for the death of all of her opponents, to worrying about violent rhetoric against trans people. One more little sentence from her quote-unquote apology. I apologize for failing to consider the impact my words can have on you as members of this body, and I strive to make better choices in light of these consequences. I apologize that my words have been used to create weapons. End quote. Let me just translate this for you. It's not my fault that all of this happened. It's their fault for blowing all of this up. And then at the end, there's the obligatory, I'm going to work really hard to earn your respect and work as your colleague. So it's not an apology in any sense of the word. It shifts blame away from who is responsible, that is, Carly Prevenza. The letter goes on the offensive against people who blew up the whole situation. It's their fault. And then she says she's going to move beyond it. In other words, she's going to forget that any of this ever happened. The essence of political apologia is literally to say something like, I call upon you, the audience, to bear witness that I am not what I appear to be. And how dare they attack me for being something that I'm not. According to Talega's article, political apologia is an exercise in identity management. It is an attempt to manage a situation from which there is no escape and no loophole. It is a process that follows a formal sequence disapproval, degradation, exclusion, and then transcendence. The process of formal degradation insists upon fitting an identity of total deviance with a single coherent set of motives into a black and white scheme of things. In other words, it's a tried and true method to manipulate you. There is absolutely a formula to it, and it absolutely works. And let's not forget who exactly Carly Provenza is. She has a Ph.D. in experimental psychology. Her letter to all of her colleagues followed the formula to the letter. It's the oldest trick in the books, my friends. And Redcoat Speaker of the House, though he really, really wanted to, fell for it. I've posted a couple articles about political apologia at the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, if you want to read more about it. But my point in this morning's discussion is to show you exactly what is happening, so hopefully you can recognize it in the future. Because let's be honest, they're politicians, they are going to engage in some deviant behavior, and then they're going to try to lie their way out of it. And when they're caught in a situation where there is no escape, then they will issue a political apologia letter and tell you that they're just going to forget about it and move on. Our job is to pay no attention to the dumb letters that they write, and hold them accountable for what they do. Coming up in the next few episodes of Cowboy State Politics, on Wednesday, I have an interview, an awesome interview, with Professor George McSorry from the University of Wyoming. He's the foremost expert on the Second Amendment. We talked about a couple of things that I didn't even know about. Trust me, if you love your guns and you love the Second Amendment, you do not want to miss this interview. It really is a must-listen. But that'll be next Wednesday. 
Make sure that you subscribe and follow the program on whatever your favorite podcasting app is. That way you can be notified when a new episode comes out or when there's a special breaking news episode or something like that. The easiest app to use is probably Podbean. That's where the podcast is hosted anyway. So just whichever app that you like to use, subscribe to the show and follow it, and that way you don't miss an episode. Have a good rest of your weekend, and we'll talk again on Monday. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs>